You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. And gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Look, I know everybody's in a bad mood, and I know, you know, the numbers are just going to be down because nobody even wants to hear it. I don't want to hear people complaining, and I, or conversely, I don't want to hear somebody talking positivity because that was horrible. There's generally two camps. The sky is falling camp who hates positivity and the always positive crowd that never wants to hear any negativity. My job isn't to appease anyone because I can't. The only thing I can try to hope to do is bring a little bit of perspective and just say, let's let's move on from the feels. Let's move on from the, the Twitter battles and the Facebook battles where we all beat each other up. Because that's exactly what, for, for whatever reason, we feel like the first thing we need to do when we're hurting and when we're upset that we lost is go to social media and start attacking Packers fans and making them feel worse. Sort of what I was alluding to yesterday on Facebook. Some people need to vent. If you're not generally a negative person or a doom and gloom person, that's fine. Ignore them. They'll be better by tomorrow. Just give them a day to vent, alright? And likewise, doom and gloomers, if somebody comes out and they're like, look, I still love this team, we're still 7-2, and two. things are great, please don't jump on them and start attacking them about how things aren't great, and they finally got exposed. And Listen, that's your deal. You go do, do your deal. Let them do their deal. Leave each other alone. The only thing I think we should be doing, or not doing, is bringing other Packer fans down. Hey, look, there's a Packer fan over there curled up in a ball crying. I'm going to go kick him in the face because I'm mad the Packers lost. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And here's the deal. Not everybody has to cope with the loss the way that you cope with a loss. And maybe this isn't the best time for you to show up and tell everybody how much better of a human being you are. Ugh. Can't believe you're not supporting the Packers. I'm a real Packer fan. I support them even in the losses. How dare you highlight things that went wrong? You know what? Go away. Nobody's impressed. Aaron Rodgers isn't watching. Go away. Let the little psycho Tasmanian devil spin in a circle, scream, and break all his stuff, and scream at the sky. Because you know what? By Wednesday, he's going to be over it. He's going to be pumped for 7-2, and two, and he's going to be moving on to Carolina. You already moved on. Cool. Great. Let this guy have a couple days to just punch stuff. Now, by all means, if somebody comes punching at you unnecessarily, yeah, punch him back. I don't care. I mean, defend yourself, but I'm just saying don't go punching people. I can't. I mean, it, it's literally. I mean, I, it was fine. Yesterday, it was so bad that you could say a negative comment and nobody attacked you. That's how you knew stuff was real bad. But I did see a couple people start to just dig in. You know, the positivity crowd just started lashing out at people. Like, look, man, when it's a bad day, people are going to say things are bad. I'm sorry that's not your scene. Stay off Twitter. But again, what everybody needs is perspective. And that's the goal for today. Including myself, by the way. I'm not sitting here as the ultimate arbiter of truth. It's exactly what I'm telling you to stop doing. I'm just going to say the truth in the least emotional way possible, which lacking emotion is somewhat of a strength of mine. Sometimes anger gets away from me, but, you know, I'm working on that. But anyways, very quickly, uh, number one, make sure you're in the Facebook group following Assistant to the Pack Daddy and following me on Instagram because there's going to be lots of giveaways and I want to make sure that you are um, ready, in tune, know about it, whatever. I also want to say thank you very, very much to uh, two more donations from from Gary and Evan. For those that are new to the show, I wanted to focus on giving back a little bit as opposed to begging for things all the time. So from now until Christmas, I set up a goal to have a $1,000 donation uh, go to the Madison Childhood Cancer Foundation. So any and all support that you were planning to give to me, I would instead direct you to hopefully consider giving a little bit, and it doesn't matter how small. Maybe it does. Maybe I don't know how much money they take. I don't think anything. I don't know. I'm just saying, if you're planning on like a dollar, just look into it for a second and see if that's even going to make it to the fund. But a dollar's good. 
if everybody listening right now actually gave a dollar, we'd be well over our goal. So, I mean, literally consider a dollar, please. Um, but again, please check out this foundation. Do your homework. I don't want you to be flipping with your money. And until we stop doing this and then you, I start begging you for money personally, then I want you to be very flippant and not look into it. Don't check it. Don't think. Just act. But uh, check them out. Make sure that it's something that you'd like to be supporting. And again, for the skeptics, please know that um, I have no access to this money, so this isn't some fake thing that I'm setting up so that I can just rip everybody off. I literally can't touch it. I can't, I, I can't say, well, I'm taking 10% for setting this up. I, 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 wish, I wish I knew how. I'm just really bad at thieving, so I, I got nothing. I guess I'll just have to try to do a good thing for once. So please consider it. Also, as I said, we are creeping up. I think this is 596 or 597 today. Generally, when we hit the 100 mark, I ask for a, a donation in the 100th amount. So 600 episodes would be $6 is generally what I ask for for me. I would ask you to consider a $6 donation to this uh, GoFundMe account. There is a link in the description right beneath the general description of the show. There's going to be a link that you can click. And please talk it over with your spouse or your family or whatever and consider giving to that. Anywho's, let's take a break. See if we can't find some perspective in this mess. So we got ourselves a new sponsor to the show, and I'm actually very, very excited that this has finally happened because it's been, you know, you got to wait until next month or whatever. But I wanted to tell you about Mac Weldon. Uh, they are a men's clothing company, and I've mentioned a few times on this show how I am about clothing, like when I was trying to sell clothes and whatnot, or t-shirts. I'm real, real crazy about clothing only insofar as it's comfortable. I'm just straight up about the goodwill, man. That That's my thing. I mean, I literally prefer it because it's more comfortable. It's worn, not just because I'm cheap. But because of this opportunity, I was able to get some Mack Weldon clothing. The only thing that I can think to describe it is an experience. They've got these lounge pants, and I wore them. And yes, they're comfortable, but I was just kind of confused as to what it is. Because they've actually engineered their own fabric. I was walking around the house in my lounge pants, and I asked my wife, like, do you think I could get away with, like, wearing these to work? Kind of look like work pants. And they're, like, kind of sturdy and durable, but still, like, very much comfortable lounge pants. I I just, I don't know if, I I just confusion. It was exciting to me because I always expect with high-level clothing, not that I would know because I never wear it, but I expect it to be a basic Hanes t-shirt with with an expensive label tagged on it. This is not that. This is premium clothing that the second you touch it or put it on, you realize this is different. This stuff is just better than all the other stuff. This is a premium men's essential brand that believes in really, really smart design and, again, premium fabrics. These are some of the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, sweatpants, whatever that you're ever going to wear. They've also got silver-infused underwear and shirts that are antimicrobial, so it naturally eliminates odor. Anyways, you got to at least check it out. Head over to MacWeldon.com. It's super easy to navigate the website. And what they're going to do is offer you 20% off your first order. All you got to do is enter promo code OVERTIME. Again, that's MacWeldon.com. Use promo code OVERTIME. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so let's start with, let me have a minute to talk to the positive people about some of the negative stuff, because I I like to get the negative stuff out of the way first, because we got to address it, but let's just do it early on Sunday and move on. Let's just do that. I mentioned last week, I was trying to talk to the positivity folks about why some of us feel the necessity to talk about bad things even when wins happen. This is why. 
If you remember last week when I talked about it, I said, look, of course I like a win, but it makes me nervous when we have a hard time stopping the run. It makes me nervous when we have a hard time stopping the pass. It makes me nervous when we give up so many big plays. It makes me nervous when Kevin K- or, or Kenny Clark is not having a, a great season. It makes me nervous when David Bakhtiari is, although he's doing pretty well, he's definitely not doing as well as he has in the past. Because essentially what happens is you only need a couple things to go wrong and you've got a really bad day on your hands. And that's sort of what happened here. Giving up big plays is not new. Not being able to stop the pass is not new. Not being able to stop the run is not new. This is what the Packers have been doing since like week three. Essentially, the the season started with a really hot defense and a really cold offense. Since then, it's been a pretty, I don't want to say a poor defense because they've done a good job of keeping teams out of the end zone, which is what we saw again this week. I mean, the Packers offense had lots of opportunities to come back and win this game. So it was more the offense's fault. However, still not a great effort from the defense. And so what we had was the offense couldn't do anything. They just had a bad day and that happens and we'll get there. But all it really took was Aaron Rodgers to have a a bad day, things to kind of be off and it was done, right? Devontae comes back. We decide we're going to play 2018 offense all over again. We're going to stare down Devontae, otherwise launch the ball 50 yards down the field. Those are the only two plays we're aware of. We're going to do that a lot. The run game actually had a decent amount of success, but we're not going to do that because, again, 2018 mode. The run works, but I don't care. We're going to get away from it because our game plan is stare down Devontae, throw 50 yards down the field because Devontae's back, so we can go back to doing what we like to do again. You know, Alan Lazard is open constantly, and we're nailing him for 15-yard passes every time we decide to actually look at him. But that's only in a real big pinch after five yard, five seconds of dancing around. We're not going to, like, actually try to target him or anything because we're going to try to throw to Devontae and, and 50 yards down the field. Throwing to the running backs is successful again, but I don't really want to do it. We're not going to keep leaning on it. But, but there are underlying issues here. And again, it's, it's not just a matter of what happened today. It's a matter of what it says about the future. And even when these wins are wins, if they're not great wins, there's things you need to be concerned about because the question becomes, how much success, hello there, how much success can you have in the postseason? How much can you realistically expect, you know, what, what are the odds that, for example, we make the playoffs? They're still very high, even if the team isn't very good. What are the odds we actually make it to the Super Bowl? Suddenly it becomes very, very low. I mean, it's low for everybody, but it's very, very low when your defense can't put out anything. One of the one of the most important aspects of a playoff team is a really strong defense. Ryan Wood put something out, which, I mean, gets so confused because you got some people that are like never doom and gloomers, and then they come out with something like this, which is reasonable. But he says, quote, Remember when the Packers' pass defense wasn't the problem? They've now had three straight quarterback posts, quarterbacks post a passer rating over 100. If this defense is going to be what it wants to be, that can't happen because there are plenty of good quarterbacks waiting in the playoffs. That's exactly it. And look, maybe some of us more hostile people don't exactly package that information in the most tactful way. Maybe we get a little crazy with it, and we get a little bit annoying, and I apologize, we're a little insufferable, just do what my wife does and leave the room. I'm kidding, I've, I've got a lot better with, uh, I don't make a scene, I just get quiet. My wife, on the other hand, has not learned to not ask me what happened, why did they lose? Did they lose? What happened? I thought they were good. What's going on? She just says, okay. I know she does it on purpose. Here's another post from Zach Cruz. And, and understand, these are generally very positive people, and they're also very measured people. They're not going to just come out and say unnecessarily negative things. But this is what we call perspective. And again, I'm sorry if we don't always package this in the best way, but it's time for the over, always positive people to start acknowledging that there are problems. It doesn't mean we can't win. doesn't mean we can't win in the playoffs or win the Super Bowl. But it does mean certain things need to be addressed because they're becoming a problem. That wasn't his quote. That's mine. Here's what Zach had to say. My concern level in this Packers defense is really high. They allow a ton of explosive plays. Let me just stop right there. Is that true or false? I'm talking to the positive people. I want you to answer that question. Is that true or not? Do they give up a lot of positive plays? The people that say we got this great quarterback duo, Jair and Kevin King locking it down, baby, which has literally never happened this year. Kevin King has had two good games, and those are the two good two games in which Jair didn't play well. And this might actually be the same thing. I didn't see Kevin King make a whole lot of mistakes. Jair was just getting lit up. 
Do they give up a lot of explosive plays? Yes, literally every week with the exception of maybe the Vikings and Bears games. Continuing on, they can't stop the run and turnovers are becoming less common. Can they stop the run? Let me just again pause. Can they stop the run? Have they ever? I know there have been plays where they stop the run and that's nice, but generally the middle of this defense is incredibly soft. Basically, the, the, the game plan is just double up Kenny Clark, push him out of the way. Kenny, at best, gets one arm out there but can't tackle with one arm. Blake Martinez is way too hesitant. He just waits there and waits for somebody to get to him, and then he slowly tries to get over to the guy. He gets knocked over backwards, and it's an automatic five yards, if he's even there to make the tackle. And he says turnovers are becoming less common. Eight takeaways in the first three games, only six in the last six. There, and, and again, this is why we panic. Because you can't count on things like a billion turnovers in a game. You look at it and say, okay, what happens if the turnovers become less? What happens if they're not as clutch in the red zone? If they don't suddenly tighten up or get a big sack on third down in in the red zone or get a pick in the red zone? If these start converting into touchdowns, the Packers are getting blown out every week. The bottom line is these things have to start getting addressed or the Packers are just not going anywhere. Now, if if you just can't handle it and you just want to be rah-rah, All right, that's fine, but some of us actually like to discuss reality. I mean, I'm not a coach. It doesn't doesn't do anybody any good, so I'm not mad at you if you're just like, whatever, man, I'm going to let the coach figure it out, let the GM figure it out. That's their job. My job is to just cheer. Cool. I want to talk about what's going on. That's why I have a podcast. I like to talk about stuff. Most Packer fans, I think, like to talk about stuff. So let's talk about it. How did the safeties look? I don't think they looked very good. I think the coverage was soft. I think the tackling was terrible. How about the linebackers? I think the linebackers were a joke. The, the one thing I don't get is, is the way that the Packers are playing is with, with single gap assignments. If you've got one gap, why don't you shoot it? There are times when Blake has to just be like, you know, he's the lone linebacker, so he's kind of got to hang back or whatever. But generally, even in those situations, Blake has one gap. Why don't you attack the one gap? We've been coming out with two linebackers. Go attack your gap. They don't. They sit and wait. And so there's a giant gap where, for example, Blake or, or B.J. Goodson or Oren Burks or whoever is supposed to be occupying. But, of course, there's a hole there because rather than shooting the gap or even being in the gap, we're just going to hang back. Well, none of the defensive tackles are going to be in your gap. So, of course, there's a hole and they get through the hole. And then maybe they make a tackle, maybe they don't. So it's either going to be a five-yard gain or a 50-yard gain. How did the linebackers do? Not well. How did the corners do? And look, if... if, if because I, I can just feel responses. The they get paid to crowd. Well, that's fine. I mean, good teams win. But if you want to just play the whole, well, the other team gets paid too, and everything's perfectly even, nobody's better or worse, fine. Go dig out your participation trophy and go hug it in the corner somewhere. I want the Packers to be better. That's what I'm after here. Well, they get paid too. They got good players too. There's a reason that some teams have better records than others. Because they're a better team. What do you think is going to happen when the Jets and the, and the Patriots play? What, what do you think is going to happen and why? Because remember, the Jets get paid too. Yeah, they get paid and they're garbage and they're going to lose. Patriots are going to win because they're a really good football team. You're not adding anything to this conversation. Go away. The, the other thing that, that bothers me, because there's some validity to that, but what I don't want to hear is this, the same people that say, well, they have good players too, but also talk about how we have great corners. You can't have it both ways. Pick one. Either we have great lockdown corners, in which case we're going to win, or we just have general corners that are just kind of out there, no better, no worse than anybody else, and sometimes they win and sometimes they lose. Those are not the same thing. They cannot coexist in the same space. Corners did not play well. Tackling in general was just pathetic. Defensive line, not good. Edge rushers, eh. I mean, Zadarius and Preston had like one, one each, I think. And Kenny maybe got there once. Nothing really doing off the edge. I mean, a little bit. They were close a lot. Maybe if the corners had a little bit more ability to, to you know, shut them down for another half a second, we would have had a bunch more sacks, pressures, hits, whatever. Overall, fairly underwhelming. I mean, listen, some people did have pretty good days. I'm not, I'm not coming down on Zadarius or Preston. I think they were fine. We'll have to see. I know Jair didn't have a good day. I know the linebackers and the defensive line. And, and listen, man... I mean, it, it just is beyond frustrating to say that the defensive line did not do a good job when we're literally talking about one of the worst interior offensive lines in football. I'm so tired of it. What happened to this defensive line? Was it really that much Mike Daniels, or is something else going on here? Because it used to be when, when we went up against a bad def- offensive line, 
it was it was just feast time. It was game over. I mean, the Packers' defense, if it had anything, I mean, remember, we didn't have edge rushers last year, but we had a couple guys on the inside that would just dominate, and they carried the whole defense. Kenny Clark was the best guy among them. Yeah, Mike Daniels had a big impact, but Kenny was the man. Mike Daniels had an off year last year. It was pretty much all Kenny. Of course he's getting most of the double teams last year. He's still getting almost all the pressures. He was dominant against the run. That was his biggest attribute, dominant against the run. Now we go up against this just absolute horse manure offensive line. They got maybe one good offensive line, and he's a left tackle. Everyone else is, I mean, Sam Tevy, the other tackle, is just putrid. The The guards in the center are absolutely horrific. They should have wrecked this game. Dean Lowry should have wrecked this game. Kenny Clark should have annihilated in this game. Kingsley Kiki, everybody on the interior should have absolutely just annihilated. They should not have been able to run ever. They should have been tackled in the backfield more often than they got positive yards. And this isn't even a group that can run. This is a terrible running offense. Austin Eckler's a great running back as a receiver, and Melvin Gordon hasn't done jack all year. We got annihilated. And again, it's great that there were a couple plays where they stopped him. That's cool. That's what you expect from a bad running back and a terrible offensive line. And a defense that has, you know, Zadarius Preston, Kenny Clark, Blake the Tackling Machine Martinez. And as I've said, I was a very big defender of Blake Martinez for a long time because I thought people were way too hard on him. But there is just nothing redeemable about him this year. I mean, even last year he wasn't that great. It was just the fact that he was really good in coverage that kind of covered up for that fact. And he's just not that even this year. You know, looking over to the offense, the offensive line, that, that was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Everyone's going to want to talk about Aaron Rodgers and his stat line. I don't think he was that bad. He had almost no opportunities. He did miss a couple throws, but if there was one thing he did that was really, really annoying, it was the fact that he kept having to throw the deep ball. Right, Fourth down, game's on the line, and rather than just trying to get a quick, short little pass to get a first down and keep this game alive, he decides he's going to launch it into the end zone, and he just rock airmails it right out of the back of the end zone. I mean, it was just it was one of those things that as soon as you saw it, you just started laughing. Like, yeah, of course that's how the game had to end. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just, you know, Rodgers, when his back's against the wall, he just feels like, I'm going to win this thing, and he thinks he's going to win by just throwing deep balls, even though that's not how the Packers win. I mean, it's also possible that the way the Chargers were playing, they were basically daring the Packers to go deep, or they were trying to stress these safeties who are no good. I I don't know what it is. But again, whatever happened to that offense that's malleable, that says, okay, that's not working, let's try something else. And then when you find something that's working, and a lot of things were, we stick with it. No, we didn't stick with it. We got away from it, went back to what we thought we should. This was an offense that said, we're better than you, we're going to beat you the way that we want to beat you, which is the Mike McCarthy offense, which is what this looked like. It looked like a 2018 Mike McCarthy offense. But the offensive line was, 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 I, 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 there's really no words. And look, again, I know they get paid, too. I know is a very good football player. And he is. He's so good, he gets like one sack per game. That's how good he is. But when you got Bosa basically coming free to the quarterback, and I don't mean free as in he wasn't touched, but I do mean free in terms of he got touched about once and then just came free and went right to Rodgers. That's not good enough. All right, we've seen Brian Balaga go up against Khalil Mack, who is a better pass rusher, and essentially shut him down. Bosa was just, I mean, he was, he was like giggling. He was laughing. It was, it was, this was one of the easiest games he's played this year. So no, it's not just because he's so good. It was also because the offensive line was that bad. Bakhtiari got whooped. Balaga got whooped. The interior of the offensive line got whooped. The penalties were just ridiculous. I mean, they, they were, they were, if I had to guess, they were playing scared, which is pathetic. This is a dominant offensive line that's playing scared of uh, Bosa and Ingram who's gone up against some of the best pass rush duos in football. You've gone up against the Vikings, right? So you've played a better pass rusher in Khalil Mack. You've played a better pass rush duo with the Vikings. You've gone up, I mean, literally, every, pretty much every premier pass rusher in football you've seen already. But they're playing so scared that they're jumping. And it's not even a loud environment. They, the, the, the stadium only holds like 30,000 people. It's a wide open stadium, so the, the acoustics are not exactly working against you. And 50% of the people there are Packers fans. So it's not even noisy. What did it get up to, like 84 decibels? But here they are, jumping, playing scared. The offensive line was terrible. Wide receivers seemingly were not getting open. 
I don't know how many times when, when Rodgers finally had some time to throw, did he throw? No, he never threw. Very rarely did he throw to anybody because apparently nobody could get open. And again, why? They got one good corner, Casey Hayward. That's it. Everyone else is really bad. Why can't you beat anybody? I don't know, but that's a problem. Aaron Rodgers, you know, as I said, it's not entirely his fault, but he, he didn't have a very good day. He had several errant passes that just went nowhere, constantly making, I think, poor decisions, trying his hardest to just be a superhero and launch these balls down the field, and not one of them was on target. Maybe one Kumro could have pulled in. But when things are going this poorly, why are you taking low percentage throws? Let's get into a rhythm. Running backs, I think, were fine. That's, that's the one area where I can look at and go, that was actually pretty good. I think Jamal and Aaron did fine. They didn't have a lot to work with because the offensive line couldn't really block, but they plowed ahead for five yards, and they caught some really nice passes. Jamal, with that one unbelievable first down, that was ridiculous. Just absolutely steamrolling guys. I mean, they, they, beyond impressed with what the running backs have output these last several weeks. And again, even when one of them doesn't have a good day, the other one steps up. I, I'd have to go back and look to see the last time night. I mean, early in the year, the running backs were having a hard time. But since what, week four or five, they've just been lighting it up. So super big props to the running backs. Uh, tight ends, I mean, Jimmy Graham, I'd, I mean, you, you can't be too hard on him because he was one of the only guys that apparently was able to get open and catch footballs. But I have never seen a less agile person in my life. And I granted, he, look, he's six foot seven, he's 400 years old. But oh my goodness, throwing a little screen to Jimmy Graham. He's like 250 pounds. He's got this you know, 198-pound corner is the only guy in front of him, and he <laughs> just runs straight ahead, doesn't try to do anything, just gets chopped out at the knees and falls like a big dumb tree. Come on, man, you can't even, can you run sideways a little bit, like kind of angle it somewhat? Maybe see if you can give him your side and stiff arm? Nope, just catch and run, and he's trying to do, <laughs> he's trying to do something, like get a little dancey happy feet thing going on which really just takes up time and means you're going to get less yards. And he just gets chopped down. There's another one where it's like it was, it was upsetting, but you just got to giggle a little bit because it's like, oh, come on. There were two times when he caught it and he just had like one guy to beat and he just lumbers straight ahead and just gets chopped down. Oh, come on, man. Now, the good news is some of this is problematic. Some of this is things that, I mean, look, the, the, the team didn't show up. There, there's no two ways around it. There, there are some people who are going on to say, see, they finally got exposed. Maybe certain parts. We, we finally seen the fruits of what happens when, when you can't do certain things. But the offensive production, this is not something that you can honestly say you would expect to happen for the remainder of the year. There's no reason to expect this to continue. The, the offense didn't show up. The defense didn't really show up. The team just, I, I don't know, they're out in sunny California. They're enjoying the weather. They feel like they're seven and one, and this is a three-win team. Like we're, well, this is no big deal. Apparently, they weren't looking at my bookie like I was, saying, "Dude, why is it only four points? Why are we only four-point favorites? We should be like seven-point favorites. This is crazy. Give me seven and a half. We're gonna smoke this team, because everybody's looking at it and saying, "No, this is a pretty good Chargers team." And the Packers have a lot of big question marks. And those are the two things that we saw come together at the same time: a very good Chargers team that is very motivated going up against a a a talented Packers team, but that a team that just decided we don't really need much effort today and just didn't put forth any effort, right? All, all the stuff that I talked about, you know, against in that Chiefs game and everything else, all that heart and that passion and that grit, you, we didn't see any of that. They looked like they knew they were getting beat and they didn't have any answers and they weren't really going to try very hard to find any. And you kind of just had that feeling in the pit of your stomach like this is over, you know, I don't know, early, early on. And the one hope was, you know, hurt, similar to the Chiefs game, hurry up, get to halftime, make some adjustments, come back out. And then they came back out, and it was it was the same offense and the same defense uh, losing to the same Chargers teams. Didn't see much change. I'm sure they did something different. But, again, it was, it was a lot of the same, just run the ball with some success, get into third and short, and then launch the ball 20 yards down the field, incomplete punt. Okay. And, I, listen, I like the bravado of the defense, but I, I kind of have to wonder – like, if you're a coach, do you keep trying to prop up your defense and tell them how great they are because you need that bravado? Or do you bring them in and say, look, I don't care about what you think you are. This is not good enough, and you guys are kind of trash. And this needs to get better. If you look at Zadarius Smith's quote, it was a wake-up call for us, man, because we went 7-1. and one. I don't feel like it, but some people probably got comfortable in their situations. 
to lose a game shows a lot and brings us back to earth to where we need to be at oh to where we need to be at at work each and every i'll just throw day in there cuz i'll finish the sentence i mean look if this is what it takes fine great I have to assume Petten and, and the rest of these guys are, are chewing them out every single game, saying that's not good enough, this isn't good enough. But maybe they just needed a beating. Maybe they just needed to get embarrassed by a three-win team in a week when they could have just dominated pretty much the entire NFC because everybody lost this week. Everybody. We, we, we could have went ahead in the NFC. We could have taken a massive, or in the NFC North, could have taken a massive step in the NFC. Instead, the 49ers and Seahawks are the, are the big winners this week. Anyways, I think you guys get the point, right? Not everything is as bad as it seemed yesterday. Some of that was an anomaly based on a team that everybody has bad days, man. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Everybody has. This was one of those days where a team inexplicably lost to a team that they shouldn't have lost to. There's there's certain people that are saying the Packers do this every year. Everybody does this every year. Everybody that's a good team loses to a team they shouldn't lose to. That's why nobody goes undefeated, right? Nobody goes undefeated. The best team in the NFL loses to somebody. And I can tell you right now, nobody this year is going to be going undefeated. The only undefeated team so far is the 49ers, and somebody's going to smack them around. I'd be surprised if they have any less than two losses by the time this is all said and done. But some of these things are problems beyond just it was a bad day. And that's what we got to parse out, and we got to figure it out. So anyways, why don't we take a break, and we'll start looking a little bit more on the positive side and try to help the... Uh, doom and gloomers off the cliff a little bit. Well, the MyBookie spreads are already up, and there's already more hope. Again, Vegas kind of saw something in that game. And when you've got, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, because Ryan from the Facebook group laid out something um, that's a very good point. But let, let's look at this. The Packers are five and a half point favorites against Carolina. I think, I would have thought Carolina is a better team than the Chargers, but already at this point, Vegas is looking at it saying this is a better matchup for the Packers. My bookie is a great place to get all this information, and if you're looking to make a little bit of money, which apparently Ryan also did by betting on the Chargers, props to you for having the courage to admit that. But this is this is several people now that I've I've had reach out in the Facebook group and say that they've made a little bit of cash on my bookie. If you want to get in on the action, make sure you sign up at mybookie.ag and use promo code Overtime. They're going to match your first deposit. Again, promo code Overtime. New users get their first deposit doubled. Mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. If you're wondering why maybe the Packers are a little bit more favored in this game, probably because it's at home. Speaking of, one of the biggest benefits the Packers have at home is this new, younger crowd that's really getting out and making a lot of noise at Lambeau Field. I've told you before, I don't generally like going to games as much. I like to stay home in the comforts of, of my you know couch and heat. But it's something that you got to get out and experience once in a while. And to be able to help a team win is just an awesome feeling. If you haven't done it yet and you want to go be a part of it, I would encourage you to check out Vivid Seats because they got tickets right now as low as 122 bucks. Either way, whatever, whatever the ticket prices end up being for the as big of a crowd as you have, it's going to be worth it. If you're thinking about it and you're on the fence, let me just encourage you to download the Vivid Seats app in the App Store or Google Play. Poke around, call a few friends, call a few family members, see if anybody's interested. And if you decide to pull the trigger, just remember to use promo code OVERTIME. New users will receive a discount of up to $100. So download the app and remember to use promo code OVERTIME at checkout. So one of the things that I love about this loss, to be honest, is the reaction from the defensive players. I, I, I really like everybody's reactions. And I'm, I'm, I, I hope that I have given you the impression that if people say things or do things that are not good, that I'm not going to just say I like it because I'm a Packers fan. When Jair was asked about the confidence level, and how much this has shaken their confidence, he said, none. N-U-N, none. Which, if the defense starts to go on a run, I think Jair, none, N-U-N. I'm just saying, maybe it'd be a sweet t-shirt. I can't wait to get these t-shirts going so I can buy them for myself. It's going to get me a little collection going. You look at the qu- qu- quote from Kenny Clark. He said, them being able to drive the field almost 90 yards... That just can't happen. I don't care who we're playing. That stuff can't happen. And this is what I'm talking about. I'm going to stop the quote there. See, the players don't give themselves outs. The players don't say, well, they've got good players too. They do have good players. Keenan Allen's a good player. Mike Williams is a decent enough player. Melvin Gordon has talent, even though he's been bad. Austin Eckler, Phillip Rivers. It doesn't matter. 
Continuing on with the quote, when you've got somebody backed up, if we want to be who we say we want to be, we've got to pin our ears back, keep them backed up there. Look at what Zadarius had to say. He said, I'll tell you this, man, it was a wake-up call for us. Because we went 7-1, and one, and I don't feel like it, but some people probably got comfortable in their situation. I think I read this one already. To lose a game shows a lot and brings us back to earth to where we need to be at at work each and every day. It did say day. But that's the right mentality. So they're, they don't seem to have lost confidence, but there does seem to be somewhat of a wake-up call and sort of a, a feeling of, look, we talk a lot, and there's talent here, but we got to start putting it together because this is embarrassing. And it is. I saw, I think it was Ryan Wood, I don't know, but I had said embarrassing, some other people were saying embarrassing, and he's coming out saying, oh, I don't think embarrassing is the right word. It is, and the defense would agree. You think they're not embarrassed by this? You think Kenny Clark isn't embarrassed when he says that they let them go 90 yards down the field after they had him backed up? Of course that's embarrassing. You think Jair isn't embarrassed? Of course he is. He's better than that. Kenny is better than this. Every All these guys, they're better than this. It is embarrassing. Preston said, this is the NFL. Nothing surprises you in this league. Every team is going to come out regardless of what their record is and what they may be statistically. They're going to come out and give you their best. We just didn't play our best tonight. We have to fix that. We have to get back to being us as a defense. So, you know, I I really, really, really love this defense. Nothing is shaken for me in terms of this defense, because partly because what I really love about the defense is the core, the locker room, the, 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 the talent. The camaraderie, all that stuff is still there. And as long as they're not shaken up by this, I'm not too worried about it. But maybe they needed this because there's a lot of bravado and there's a lot of this, you know. You know, I mean, the, the media's fawning all over them. I'm sure the fans are fawning all over them. Zadarius and Preston, it's just all positive, positive, positive because they're winning. And again, even, even when you get the negative people coming out in a win saying, look, there's problems, there's problems, they get smacked in the mouth by other Packer fans saying, back up, you're not allowed to say negative stuff. So they're shielded from any negative. It's all positive all the time. It's all good. You guys are great. This is, you know, one of the best pass rush duos in football. And it's all true. Kevin King's getting the picks and Jair's a lockdown corner. Bop-a-dee-ba-doo. Maybe they needed to hear this a little while ago, that there's problems. But apparently they didn't. But, you know, now they see it. And they got to have some reflection time. And the, the, the benefit of all this is that there's, there's enough talent in this defense that if they get angry and they realize we are better than this and we're in, we are embarrassed and we're not going to let this happen again, then they take out all their rage and anger on the Carolina Panthers. But that has to happen. And it's not going to be easy because Christian McCaffrey is, I mean, he's, he's Dalvin Cook and Austin Eckler wrapped up into one dude. He, he is the shiftiest person I've ever seen in my life. I wanted the Packers to get Christian McCaffrey really badly. Because although I was worried about him not having a lot of power, right, he's a smaller guy, I've never seen anything in my life as far as his ability to, to shift from side to side. I mean, I'm good with, with the guys we got. Everything's fine. But when you got a team that's struggling to tackle, and you got a guy that, that can, you know, I, I, just, I, I, I don't know. If you haven't seen it, go try to look up some stuff on him. Because he just, his, his, his ability to move laterally and everything else and not slow down, it's, just, it's ridiculous. But they got, they got to bring it. And, you know, if if they want to make a statement, they can make a statement. But there actually has to be change. I'm not talking about, like, me talking about trying to diet. A lot of talk. Some occasional real hard effort followed by a a taco dinner. Right? Like, I didn't eat breakfast and lunch, and I went to the gym, and I went on, like, a four-mile walk. Then I ate 4,000 calories and tacos and cheesecake. Just ruined the whole thing. No, I'm talking about actual change. You know, to your core. We're not going to do this ever again. This isn't going to happen to us again. Brian Balaga, he said, today wasn't good enough. It humbles you. It brings you back down to earth. And I think that's what they, you know, seven and one. And and here's the reality. Vikings fans have been saying this for a while, and a lot of them are just popping off, and they don't know what they're talking about. But there is a sense of seven and one being a little bit inflated. This is a very good football team that earned all seven of those wins. But just looking at the talent and whatnot, it could have fallen a little bit differently throughout the season. And so when you're super hyped up thinking we're in this elite seven and one team, and you've got a bunch of big flaws that maybe you're kind of overlooking because you just keep winning, I think maybe you need to be humbled a little bit. He goes on to say, it brings you back down to earth. We'll watch it. We'll get better. There's no time to sulk here. We have another good team coming in this week. we got to get ready to play. It's the right answer from another really good football player who's better than that. You know, he's got Brian Burns next week. Brian Burns is nowhere near Bosa. But if he's just going to play the same way he did against Bosa, there's going to be some problems. Devontae says, it wasn't clean. 
We went out there, and they basically just gave it to us. The whole game, we were flat. Couldn't really figure out how to beat their defense. They were running the same coverage pretty much the whole game, and we couldn't figure out a way to consistently move the ball. That's a problem, right? They didn't even make adjustments. That's a problem. But, you know, I, I, I think in a way, if you're going to lose, you want to lose like this. If this was a close loss, what do, they, what do they take away from it, right? It was an embarrassing loss that really shows that they have to go in there and when they're watching tape, not just say, what can we tweak a little bit to make sure we get a win? We're going in to say, this was real bad and there's some serious issues that we need to work out here and really get to work and really dig deep and really dedicate to making some serious changes and not just go out partying. Because look, I mean, you know, in my sheltered little mind, I think that these are football players that lock themselves in cages and are like just studying tape and studying film and, and reading the playbook and all this stuff. And they don't do anything until it's time to go practice. And then they come launch out of their cage and go to the gym and then they go to practice and then they just drill and drill and drill and drill. And then they're back into their cage and they study and study. It's not true. I remember being like heartbroken when I saw this video of like Kevin King and Jair were out partying somewhere. I mean, I don't know if they're partying or what, but Jair clearly seemed to be a little bit under the influence. And they're out in their big trucks and they got their music and they're goofing around. And you realize these are 20 year old kids with a bunch of money and big trucks. And, you know, they're going to live it up a little bit. And I'm not saying that's what happened, but I mean, you can't tell me they didn't go out to Cali and enjoy it a little bit. On some level, at some point, you got to realize, you know what, we got to put in a little bit of extra effort. Maybe instead of going out tonight and getting drunk and partying a little bit, maybe we stay in. Maybe, maybe we, you know, we, we sit in this room and we work together and we figure it out. Maybe Kevin King and Jair sit down and start grinding with Tremont, who is a veteran. Instead of going out tonight, we're going to hang out with Tremont, and he's going to coach us up. And, you know, Savage and, and, and the rest of the DB groups can all sit in there and hang out and just, just grind together. Because, again, the silver lining is this is a good football team. We do have a good defensive line. They're not playing like it, but we do. Blake isn't an elite linebacker, but he's definitely better than what he's been doing. Jair and King do have the potential with Tremont to be a really good DB group or a cornerback group. Savage and Amos, they're better than they're playing. All the pieces are there. Preston Zedarius are, are way better than anyone expected. The guys just got to play up to their potential. That's it. This is a playoff team. This is a Super Bowl caliber team. It's all right there. Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, and Jamal Williams are playing out of their mind. The offensive line is a really, really good offensive line, defensive line, edge, you know, corners, safeties, across the board. Even the tight ends. You know, let's get Jace going, Mercedes, Jimmy. Again, maybe not an elite group, but more than capable of, of being good enough. And so the positives here are twofold. Well, maybe even threefold. Number one, the team is better than this. This is not exposing the team for what they actually are. That's not true. The team is better than this. Number two, a really bad beat is a really good opportunity for this team to wake up because they started buying into their own hype a little bit too much. And then that leads us to number three, which is the fact that this was a great week to lose to a really bad team. Also, you know, as a reminder that even really good teams lose to teams they shouldn't, the Patriots lost to Baltimore. I, You know, good on Baltimore. Hopefully they can do it again in the playoffs and we don't have to deal with the Patriots winning another Super Bowl. But there you go. Patriots got their first loss. It happens. How many times out of 10 do you think the Patriots lose that game? I would guess probably significantly less than five. Cleveland Browns, who have got all the talent in the NFL on their team, lost to Denver. Oakland beat Detroit. Right, Detroit, all that talk, all that flapping of their jaws about how the Detroit Lions are better than the Packers and they should have beat the blah, 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 blah. Dude, you got beat by Oakland 31-24. to Shut your mouth. The, the, the real good thing here is that nobody can talk. Right, even the Vikings want to pop off about, oh, we at least lost to a good team. Really? You mean the team the Packers just beat last week who don't even have Mahomes? You lost to the Chiefs without Mahomes. And the Bears just lost to the Eagles and they, they could not do it. I think... Trubisky, I saw at the end of the, like the first quarter, had like 12 yards passing. It was something like it was, just, it was ridiculous. The Bears are a joke. They're 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 right up there with some of the worst teams in football, and they have one of the best defenses in football, which goes to show. And I need to dig in on this a little bit. This, I mean, I I don't know the last time we've seen an offense this bad. This is horrible. I mean, even this year, I mean, the Dolphins just won. They put up 26 points on the Jets. I don't know if the Bears can put up 26 points on the Jets. And you've got this first-round quarterback. You got Allen Robinson. You got a, a, a flashy new running back. You got a decent offensive line. What are you doing? So the, the Packers lose no ground in the NFC North. 
Nobody in the NFC North can run their mouth this week. Nobody even, should even bother to pop their head up and, and talk trash. Nobody should. Bears fans have given up. They don't even exist anymore. They've thrown on their other jerseys. Because as I said, the, the definition of a Packers fan is somebody who hates the Packers and their second favorite team is the Bears. So they've moved on to their, their favorite teams anyways. They only throw their Bears jerseys on when the Bears are doing good. They had them on early in the season, right? Yeah, Bears! I love the Bears! And then they start losing. It's like, whatever, man. I'm not even a Bears fan anyways. I'm, a, I'm an Eagles fan. I'm a Bills fan. I'm a Broncos fan. I grew up in Illinois, so I, I know exactly what I'm talking about. My best friend, who is a Bears fan, who no longer watches football. Favorite team, Broncos. His brother, favorite team, Buffalo Bills. They're all Bears fans. But again, the, the, the working definition that I have from most people that I knew in Illinois, including even when I lived in Kenosha and half of them are Bears fans. One of the guys I worked with is from Illinois. He's a Bears fan. It was his fourth favorite team. He, has three, he likes the Titans and the Eagles and a bunch of other teams. A person who hates the Packers with a passion and whose second favorite team is the Chicago Bears. That is the definition of a Bears fan. So they're all gone. They're hiding. They, they've given up. They're wearing their other jerseys. Probably some Vikings fans out there still talking, but they've got no right to because, again, they just lost to a team that the Packers beat one week prior. Kirk Cousins looked like garbage again. So, you know, kind of hard for them to pop off. And the Lions just have nothing redeemable to talk about anymore. I mean, they're, they're selling off their own players. They know that they're no good. They, the, the organization knows they're no good. They're selling off all their guys. They were talking about trading away Darius Slay. They're in teardown mode. They've given up on the season. Good chance, by the way, you're losing your head coach because when you're in teardown mode and your quarterback is kind of reaching somewhat near the end of his tenure, you start thinking about putting together a new coach and a new quarterback and just kind of starting fresh. Not saying it's going to happen, but, you know, it is going to happen relatively soon. Right around that time that you're looking for a new quarterback, you're going to want a new uh, head coach. It's going to be an offensive head coach. You're going to want to pair him with a guy. Hey, maybe if you guys tank hard enough, you can get a, a pretty good quarterback there's there's you know what three big names now Tua Burrow Herbert Herbert I know is falling and maybe a few others are rising but um you know I'm just saying hopefully for our sake you don't or maybe hopefully you go out and get a guy like Herbert and he ends up being trash in the NFL like Trubisky and then it's just more years of misery that would be fantastic by the way when are they gonna bench Trubisky I mean I know that there's like this organizational like we can't he's our guy we've invested a lot in him you you got to do it. I mean, it, it's to that point where it's so bad, you just have to do it. You are, you are a better... Everybody knows it. Everybody knows that you are a better team when Trubisky is not the quarterback. Everybody understands that. So unless you're tanking, which maybe is... That actually might be the smartest thing. Keep Trubisky in. Make it seem like you're doing the smart thing or, or the, the honorable thing to keep your guy in there. But really, you're doing it to tank so you can replace him. But... Man, you I, I don't know how. Did he finish the game? He did. 10 of 21 for 125 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. David Montgomery, 14 carries, 40 yards, 2.9 average. Yikes. The only guy who did anything was Taylor Gabriel. Three receptions, 69 yards. You know what that tells me? Taylor Gabriel's the guy that catches it close to the line of scrimmage and takes off. Maybe it was a deep shot. It's entirely possible. But it tells me that Trubisky got his yards on a couple big plays, and that was about it. It's just, it's just just, terrible. So as Packer fans, we don't have to worry about a lot of things right now. The Bears are officially not a worry. The Lions are officially not a worry. The Vikings are still hanging in there. But the bottom line is the team looks really, really good when Cousins is playing out of his mind, and he does it occasionally. But he's also the guy that is going to completely lose the game for you, which is the reason why they're not going to win a Super Bowl. I mean, it's possible he goes on a stretch long enough, but the problem is it's very unlikely that he goes on that MVP-level stretch like he did for about two, maybe three games. It's unlikely he pulls off an exact three-game stretch in the exact time that they need to win a Super Bowl. You're going to see the Vikings do exactly what they did last time. They're going to have a real good game, and then they're going to go up against another team, and they're going to have a really bad game, and at that point, it just looks super lopsided. Why did they get blown out? Because they're not that good to begin with. And if you have Cousins play a really bad game, and some guys play a really bad game against a playoff-caliber team, everyone's going to be looking at this going, what are they even doing in the playoffs? Because that's the Vikings. They're really, 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 really good until they're not, in which case they're just kind of bad. And so in that way, the, the Packers and the Vikings are similar in which consistency is the most important thing. The problem is the Vikings' inconsistency comes from the quarterback, right? We can have Jair have a bad day and still win the game. The Vikings can't have Kirk Cousins have a bad day and still win the game. That's just, that's just really not going to happen. 
I mean, he could be mediocre and they can win the game, but if he just has a bad day, which he has a lot of them, you're not going to win. So as much as you can watch Kirk Cousins sometimes and say, man, this is the guy, we made a great decision, this is also the guy that's never going to win you a Super Bowl. He was 19 of 38. We had 220 yards and three touchdowns. 19 of 38, dude. He was missing everything. 50% completion percentage. 5.8 yards per attempt. That's not a lot. And similar to the week prior, yeah, as, as the chips are down and it, we're kind of in garbage time, you kind of rally a little bit and Cousins gets into a little bit of a rhythm, starts getting some stuff as the, the Chiefs go into a little bit more, try to win the game defense. I'm just saying, it's going to be hard for the Vikings to win a Super Bowl because their quarterback is so up and down. It also is a benefit to see that the Chiefs are actually a pretty legit team, even without Mahomes. We kind of knew it, or, or at least suspected it, because of how they played against the Packers. But there's also the question of, well, maybe the Packers are just bad. And so there was concern, especially for me. I said I thought the Vikings were going to win. If the Vikings would have blown out the Chiefs, I would have been terrified. Because then it not only are the Vikings caught up, but now we have to look at it and say the Chiefs are actually really bad. And um, we... We beat them, but it was very, very close, and it looked kind of ugly. But the Chiefs beat the Vikings. We beat the Chiefs. One week apart, same stadium. You know, that is good news. And and may I remind you, the Chargers are a good team. So with that, I just want to end with uh, something that Ryan had said in the Facebook group. But he, he mentioned how he had put a bet on the Chargers, and he explains exactly why. He said, 12 and Rivers always have a shootout, but the Packers can't stop the run or big plays. Plus, new coordinator, desperate team, Packers were overhyped. This had trap game written all over it. The possible silver lining is that this loss will be a who are we and where do we want to go moment. I think that kind of just sums it all up. I mean, I I try to let this thing run out for about an hour, 45 minutes at least, but I probably could have just said that and called it a day. Because it did. It, 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 It had trap game written all over it. This is how these things happen. Too much hype. Right? It's, it's sort of like a bubble where it's, it's falsely inflated. And then, yeah, you got the Chargers that are super hyped up, getting dumped on, and they've got talent everywhere. So if that team gets fired up and you got a Packers team that's just kind of like, eh, we're just going to waltz in there and destroy them, 10 times out of 10, man. Packers lose that 10 times out of 10. But the real big test of this is going to be how do they respond. Have to beat the char- or the, the Panthers. And it, it's, it's great because you got a buy coming up after that. So you put every single thing that you have in your being into beating the Carolina Panthers. Every single thing that you have, you throw it at them as though you're playing the Super Bowl. You get out of there with a win, because then you got a buy. You've got two weeks to prepare for the 49ers, and then you can really show the world what kind of a team you are. I have a hunch that they're, they might lose next week to the Seahawks, but if they beat the Seahawks, they're more than likely going to beat the Cardinals, even though they almost just lost to them. And the Packers have an opportunity to hand them their first loss. So it's a good time to regroup. Regroup and come out of this thing strong. Anyways, them's my thoughts. I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Monday. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.